On the second Sunday of Advent, we find ourselves in the wilderness again. Seems like God's people end up spending a lot of time there. After being freed from slavery in Egypt, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they reached their new home. And during their exile in Babylon, the people of Israel wandered again, for years this time again, in another kind of wilderness. The wilderness that comes when your homeland is ravaged and you are forcibly removed to a foreign land. And today, we see them in the wilderness again, this time called there by a prophet to prepare for a new beginning, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's with these words that Mark begins his gospel. Just as God in the beginning created the heaven and the earth, God is about to do a new thing this time through Jesus Christ. And this new thing is good news. Goodness knows. The Jewish people of the first century were ready for some good news. They were ready for something or someone to finally break the cycle that they'd been stuck in for over 500 years, the cycle of, of foreign domination the cycle of one superpower after another, conquering them and ruling them and oppressing them. It had been over 500 years. They were weary of being dominated. They were weary of being oppressed. They were ready for freedom. They were ready for a fresh start. They were ready for the Messiah to come and finally set them free. This waiting, this longing for freedom, this longing for a fresh start as the people of God is the context in which John's voice is heard this morning. His voice comes from the wilderness, and it calls people into the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, the wilderness seems like kind of an unlikely place for a message of hope. The wilderness was known to be a place of barrenness, of hardship, temptation, danger. But through their history, the people of Israel also knew it to be a place of preparation and a place of provision where they received manna and water and quail. They knew it was a place to meet God. In this morning's gospel reading from Mark, we see that it's into this wilderness that they're being called once more. They're being called into this barren but sacred place to prepare for a new thing that God is getting ready to do. And they're called to this place of preparation by a prophet who stirs up their hope. Clothed in camel hair and a leather belt, This man, John, likely reminds them of somebody else in their history, the prophet Elijah. Elijah, too, had wandered in the wilderness, described in 2 Kings as a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. And so the people are probably wondering, could this fiery prophet out in the wilderness be Elijah back again? 
This time to usher in the great and terrible day of the Lord, the day when God would come again to judge the earth and to save the faithful, faithful and to finally set them free. Well, John's appearance, this kind of strange appearance in the wilderness, gets people so stirred up. It gets them so excited that they pour out of their homes and they flock to the wilderness to hear John. And what they hear is this. Get ready. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare yourselves for this new thing that God is getting ready to do. And how were they to prepare this way? Well, not by organizing themselves into a great army to fight for the Lord. Not for planning a great victory celebration at the end. But by coming into the wilderness to repent. And there in the wilderness, John invites them to enact their confession and repentance through baptism. Now, just a word about baptism in that context. Baptism was not a new concept for Jewish people. It was a time-honored practice that was often done, it was often practiced in the temple. Normally, baptism was referred, reserved for outsiders to the faith who were converting to, Ju to Judaism. It was a ritual cleansing that made those deemed unclean fit to enter this new community of faith. So it was a practice that people were familiar with. But here in the wilderness, baptism was not for outsiders to the faith who needed initiation. It was for insiders to the faith who needed to be restored. This baptism was not about ritual cleansing. It was about cleaning up one's life. It was about turning from sin and turning toward God. It was about changing the landscape of one's life. This was a preparation that was needed to make space for the new thing that God was going to do. And so here we are on the second Sunday of Advent, waiting, like John and the crowds that flocked to the wilderness, for this new thing that God is about to do. Goodness knows, many of us are ready for a fresh start. Sometimes life goes badly. We say or do things that hurt ourselves or others. We make poor choices that lead to regrettable consequences. Sometimes we find ourselves trapped in destructive cycles and we can't seem to find our way out. Sometimes we know that things would be better if we could just start all over again. This morning's John's message to us from the wilderness is that it is possible to make a fresh start the good news of Jesus is a new beginning that can change our lives. But the question that John raises for us this morning is this. Are we ready to receive the good news? 
It may mean making a trip into the wilderness. Seems that good news preparation often takes place in the wilderness, in the, in the dry and in the barren places of our lives, during times when we are experiencing great difficulty, at moments when we're doubting ourselves and we're doubting God. In the wilderness, we come face to face with our brokenness. For many of us, it's a place that we would rather not go. I mean, who wants to go to such a barren place? Yet the wilderness is also a sacred place, a place of preparing ourselves for healing and for hope to be reborn. You see, in the wilderness, in the wilderness, there are no distractions. It's just us face-to-face with the reality of who we are. It's just us faced with our brokenness and our need for God, with our need for forgiveness and healing and transformation. This is where we find John this morning, calling his people into the wilderness to confess their brokenness, to receive forgiveness and to start all over again. And the question for us is, can we hear this word today? And as we hear it, can we receive it as good news? Many of you know Doug's from Kansas, and we were there a couple of summers ago, um, and as we were driving through, actually driving down Route 50, U.S. Route 50, I saw this billboard that read, Repent, or you'll regret it forever. And it occurred to me that that didn't really seem like good news. But you know, that's how we often hear that word. In fact, some of us have been so beaten up with it to the point that we associate repentance with harsh judgment and shame and a sense of worthlessness. In other words, being pounded into the ground and made to grovel. And that's where we got it wrong. Repentance isn't about groveling. It's about changing direction. It's about leaving behind that which enslaves us and moving toward that which sets us free. And it begins with naming our brokenness. Naming how the image of God, which has been so beautifully imprinted within each and every one of us, has been marred sometimes by our own sin or sometimes by the sin of others. It begins with naming how we hurt each other and how we hurt ourselves. One of my seminary professors at AMBS, Ted Kuntz, shares his own personal story of repentance in this book. It's a book called Godward, Personal Stories of Grace. And I'd like to share a bit of that story with you. Um, Ted writes, I'd long been a Christian, yet in my Christian walk there was this nagging question. Is all this God business whistling in the dark? 
There was another question which pressed in my life as the years went by. Is this all there is to life, to Christianity? And there was a weightiness about my discipleship that made it more of a burden than a joy. He then goes on to talk about um, how after years of studying nuclear war, living among the poor in Philippines, walking with his father through a losing battle with cancer, and other pain that comes uh, to one's life at age 45, he talks about how he himself experienced a new birth. He writes, it came at a conference on stopping male violence against women in Colorado in February 1992, a conference I desperately did not want to attend. I wrote in my journal the first morning in Colorado, you know, God, that I do not want to be here. Why didn't you send that snowstorm that I joyfully heard about on the radio yesterday morning? I knew that I, as a white male, would be blamed for another of the world's ills, this time violence against women. I simply didn't want to hear it again, though I had believed it was true for 20 years. Yes, men do dominate and violate women in personal and systemic ways, and it ought to be stopped, I felt. But why are they picking on me, bringing me here to beat up on me? I'm different. And then he goes through with this litany of the different why, why he's different. He goes on to write, Yet I knew when I was honest with myself that there was work for me to do in Colorado. My work especially had to do with my anger, an anger expressed most often to those closest to me, Gail, my wife, and our children. I did not like who I was becoming, an angry, bitter, hateful, lonely person, destructive of those near me. My anger was rooted in festering wounds. I felt powerless to heal myself, to lift the weight. So I longed for, I prayed for a miracle, though I did not really expect one. My journal entry that first day continued. Since you didn't send the snow, God, I take it that you want me here. I will be overwhelmed these days. I know I need your presence. I trust you will make this a good time. When opportunities for growth come, let me seize them. Hold me these days. Well, it turns out that opportunities for growth did come. The most significant experience of the weekend came uh, as Ted, Ted sat in a circle of 12 men listening to their confessions of, the worst, of their worst incidents of violence against women, their patterns of abusive behavior. And he writes, confessing there the worst incident I remembered my yelling fiercely at Gail and the children one evening in the car on the way home from, of all places, the seminary, acknowledging my times of silence, coldness, my flashes of anger which made my family wary of me, perhaps even afraid of me. Not being allowed in that circle to explain and therefore justify this abusive behavior, being forced simply to state it, I said what I had known in my dislike of myself 
but had never confessed. I abused those closest to me. Confessing my sins concretely to others, hearing others confess, being cared for through it. This was revealing, empowering, freeing, an experience of grace. For me, an even deeper experience of grace came through lamenting my hurt, my pain. Moving beyond my anger required this grieving, and it required forgiving those who I felt had caused it. A new birth, a new creation, a new beginning. And this is what this morning's Advent scripture reading invites us to. We are invited away from the comforts of home, away from distractions which numb our pain, to the wilderness, to prepare to receive the good news of Jesus Christ as we turn from sin and as we turn toward God. As we turn toward God, we are called to confession. As relatively wealthy North Americans, we may be called to confess that the policies of our powerful nations are contributing to the suffering and struggle in other parts of the world and in our own country. As a worldwide church, we may be called to confess that our divisions keep us from witnessing to the unity of Christ. As a congregation, we may be called to confess that we are reluctant to follow the Spirit's leading because we are afraid of change or because we are bent on change. As persons with it, in relationship with each other, we may be called to confess that our relationships with each other suffer because we insist on putting our own agenda first or because we hold back from communicating what is most important to us. As individuals, we may be called to confess that our relationships with our own selves suffer when we fail to believe our own worth or when we value ourselves more highly than others. Whatever it is, that we need to confess. We are assured that repentance, this turning around, is the beginning of a fresh start. Repentance creates space within to receive good news of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's healing love. It creates space for God to enter into our lives and radically, and I mean radically, change our landscape. As we focus this Advent season on the gift of God's very self to us in Jesus, my prayer is that we might have the courage to enter the wilderness, knowing that it is a sacred place of preparation a place where we can come before God just as we are to find forgiveness, 
and to find healing. We are assured in the wilderness we are not alone. There, as we honestly name the reality of who we are, we see and we know the gentle shepherd that was spoken of in Isaiah 40 this morning, who gathers in his arms the young and the old, the bruised and the tender-hearted, all those in need of God's special care. This is the God who meets us in the wilderness and offers us a new beginning. May we have the courage to go there and prepare the way for this good news.